So um, it was only uh, about a month ago or so, I was, um, I was in a, a little country town uh, along the coast, not about an hour from, from where I live. Uh, I was in my ute with a friend and uh, we came around a corner and a red and blue flashing lights and I got pulled over for a random breath test. You know, these things where uh, pull you over, you blow into the little machine and just to randomly check that you haven't been uh, drinking while you're driving. And, and uh, random breath tests, as the name suggests, are pretty random. And just as it happens, I haven't had a random breath test for like 15 or 20 years, right? I don't avoid them. It just is the way that it worked. And um, so the, uh, the police officer walks up, you wind down the window, stands by the window and he offers the, me the machine and says, you blow into the machine. Now, uh, so I just give uh, a big deep breath and blow nice and hard into the machine. And the police officer's like, whoa, 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 dude, 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 dude. you blow way too hard. Uh, you've, the machine's gone into error. It hasn't worked. We're going to have to do it again. And uh, the guy that I'm in my ute with is just shaking his head like, how useless can you be? You can't even... Anyway, so uh, the police officer is standing there and he presses a bunch of buttons on his little machine to reset the machine. And he says to me, OK. And so I just blow into the machine again. And he says, no, 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 it's not ready yet. I thought OK meant, OK, we're ready to do it. And he just meant, OK, I'm resetting it. So now I've failed the test twice. Um, the police officer is shaking his head like, man, this is not complicated, right? You just blow into this thing. And, but here's my defence, right? Here's my defence. Um, 20 years ago, when I last did a random breath test, the machines that they had then, you had to blow really hard into, right? And, uh, and, and the police officer would always say to you, back then, when I was a boy, he would say, you know, take a deep breath and blow really hard. What I didn't realise is that the machines have changed and the rules have changed. Like I was still using uh, the little machine. I was still operating by the old rules and I didn't know that there were new rules. Um, so for anyone who's, uh, who's concerned, I did eventually get it right. I blew a zero. I'd never drink and drive. It's all good. And we went on our way with, uh, you know, now a row of cars behind us. We we're all waiting to get their test because um, it's supposed to be in and out. And anyway, and the guy sitting in the passenger seat next to me just shook, shaking his head the whole time. We're in a series that we're calling Jesus All Grown Up. Uh, we celebrated Christmas as a church at Tide, pretty much like any other church, uh, with the baby in the manger as our focus. And we found ourselves over that time sort of thinking and asking ourselves, what happened to the baby? You know, what happened to the baby in the manger at Christmas? What kind of man did the baby grow up to be? What kind of man did Jesus grow up to be? And that's what this series is all about. We're going to explore uh, the man Jesus, look at some of the things that he did, some of the things that he said. Um, we've got four biographies of Jesus. Uh, they're the books of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John in our Bibles. Each of them wrote a biography of Jesus. There are some similarities and when I say some differences, they all tell slightly different stories or tell the stories in different ways. So we've got all this information about Jesus, all these stories and all these words. But what we're asking ourselves in this series really is what are the big ideas or the key themes? You know, what are the, what are the things that I guess you'd say really made Jesus Jesus? What are the things that make us still talk about this guy, still talk about this baby 2,000 years later? 
You know, you know, how is it that this little baby from an obscure town in the Middle East is still a name that even if you don't go to church, if you've got nothing to do with church, people know the name of Jesus some 2,000 years later. And so we're exploring some of these big themes, some of these things that make Jesus, Jesus. And the, the first week of our series, we talked about um, Jesus' radical inclusivity, that Jesus came to redefine and to set new rules about who was in and who was out with God. And Jesus had one simple rule that everyone was in. Uh, he talked about a God who loved and accepted and had time for all people. Uh, last week, we, we said that Jesus came to create a new path to God, a new way to get to God. Um, he, he said that the path is no longer a whole lot of complex rules and rituals and do this and don't do that. He stood up and said in a crazy way, he said, I am the way. He said the path is no longer rules. and The path is now a person and I am that person. But Jesus didn't just talk about how we relate to God, how we get to God. He also talked about how we relate to one another. In fact, actually, Jesus talked a lot about how we relate to one another. And that's probably not news to you. Um, even if you don't own a Bible, never picked up a Bible, most people kind of know that Jesus was a teacher, right? And that he taught a bunch of things. What we don't talk about very much is how different Jesus' teaching was to the accepted teaching of the day. Um, if you skim Matthew chapters 5, 6 and 7, for example, which are, are three chapters just sort of full of Jesus' teaching, if you skim that, you'll notice that Jesus says so many times in there, he says, you've heard it said, but now I say. You've heard it said, this or that or this or that, but now I say... Something else. In other words, Jesus is saying, like, like you've heard, this is the way you understand it to be. This is the way it's always been. But I've come to tell you something different. And understand how, how crazy those statements are, how, how unusual it is for Jesus to say that. You need to understand a little bit about uh, Jewish law and Jewish rules and Jewish ritual. Because uh, Jesus was a Jew. He grew up in ancient Jewish culture. And, and, and in ancient Jewish culture, there were, there were 613 different rules and laws. Uh, you find these all through uh, what we call the Old Testament part of our Bible, the first, first part of our Bible. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, I've heard of the Ten Commandments. Um, like, I know a couple of those. But the Ten Commandments, they were just like the highlights, right? They were, they were like the, the, the chapter summaries, if you like. There were a whole stack, literally hundreds and hundreds of, uh, of little laws and rules and things that, that you had to do to be a good Jew. And, and, and the way they understood their law, uh, keeping their law was a big deal. Um, they, uh, the, the ancient Jewish people pretty much believed that um, if you kept all the rules, God would be happy with you. Uh, they believed that these rules came from God. And so you couldn't change them. You couldn't decide what you didn't, didn't accept and what you liked. You couldn't change them or add to them. The only person that could change the rules was God or, or someone you know, really directly appointed by God. So consequently, when Jesus comes and says, you've heard it said, but now I say... Do you see kind of the statement that he's making around God and around who he is? 
So for Jesus to come and to say, I'm introducing new rules or new laws or new ways of doing things is a pretty crazy sort of statement for anyone to make in that culture. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't just come to share new ideas or thoughts or philosophies. He came to share new ways to live and new ways for people to relate to God and importantly to one another. And he expected people to follow these directions. Um, uh, Luke, in uh, uh, Luke chapter 6, uh, verse 46, if you've got a Bible, you can uh, look it up. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. If not, just sort of write it down and look it up later. Um, Luke tells us that Jesus finishes his teaching um, uh, or it finishes a chunk of his teaching by telling a story, a particular story um, that he tells at the end of his teaching. I want to read it to you. This is uh, Luke 6, beginning at verse 46. Jesus says, now remember, he, he's just completed a whole lot of teaching, teaching them about uh, how to do this, how to do that, how to love people, teaching them about forgiveness, teaching them about revenge, uh, a marriage, divorce, a whole bunch of things. And he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they're like. They're like a man who built a house, who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. If you read those three chapters I mentioned before, Matthew 5, 6 and 7, Matthew ends those three chapters with the same story, exactly the same story. Jesus' point is clear. Jesus is saying, you can't call me boss. That's what Lord means, you know. When Jesus says Lord, it means like boss or master, you know, the guy I kind of look up to. You can't call Jesus boss and then not do what he says. It doesn't make sense. He's not the boss if you're, if you're not doing what he tells you to do. That's the point of calling someone Lord or Master or Boss. Jesus tells us how to live, and then he expects his followers to follow. As we often say around this place, we say, followers of Jesus follow Jesus. That's why, I mean, that's why Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, that's why they write this stuff down, right? They wanted people to hear this stuff. They wanted people to learn this stuff. They wanted people to remember this stuff. Just one moment, please. While my dear wife disconnects her phone from the speaker. You're panicking, weren't you? You're like, oh no, I've clicked on the wrong thing. All sorted now? So I mean, that, that's why Matthew, Mark and Luke and John wrote this stuff down. They, they, they wrote this thing down. Uh, they wrote all of their books, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, whatever years after uh, Jesus' uh, resurrection and death and ascension because they wanted people to remember this. 
They wanted people to remember and to learn the things that Jesus uh, uh, said, the things that he taught, so that people could do them. Baby Jesus grew up to launch a whole new set of rules and, uh, and directives and instructions around living. He talked about new ways to live with God, and that's what we talked about last week, and he talked about new ways to live with others. And he spent a lot of time unpacking what those new ways look like. But almost everything he teaches is about action, it's about behaviour, it's about lifestyle. And Jesus' point's really clear. The, 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 point, the point in Jesus is never to, believe, never to believe Jesus, as in he was a real guy, I believe Jesus was a guy. It's always to listen to him and to follow him. Jesus' brother James, uh, who became a leader in the church after Jesus, James summarises it this way. Uh, this is in a, um, a, a book um, that James wrote. Find it in our New Testament. Um, uh, James writes this. He says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, which in this context means sort of belief, intellectual belief, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? I mean, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good's that? In the same way, faith by itself, intellectual belief by itself, uh, if not accompanied by action, is dead. A couple of verses later, he says this is a classic verse. He says, you believe that there's one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. The Christian faith isn't a belief system. It's not a philosophy. It's not a system of thought. It's a lifestyle. It's something you live. It's something you do. Believing that there's a God means very little. I mean, in, in this case, James saying it means basically nothing. He says, I mean, even the demons believe that there's a God. Baby Jesus grew up to show us how to live and followers of Jesus follow Jesus. So when you read the the biographies, when you read Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, and just a side point, that's the point of them, right? We're supposed to read them, not just, you know, not just grab a verse and stick it on the fridge. They're books, they're letters that we're supposed to sit down and read. He says, when you read these things, you should be asking yourself, uh, what is it that Jesus wants me to do with this? You know, what, what, as I read this, what should my life look like if I'm living this out? And I mean, brace yourself because the answer isn't relax and get comfortable and get rich and enjoy yourself. Uh, Jesus' biographies are full of bold, challenging uh, uh, you know, bold, challenging statements and ways to live. But, and this is the really, really important but, but Jesus shares these new rules saying that they are the key, they are the, the solid foundation for life. He's saying these are the key to building a life that will survive and thrive in difficult times. That's the purpose of that story that he finishes telling about the whole, you know, build your house, build your life on rock versus sand. 
Jesus is saying that the teaching I'm giving you, I'm giving you this, is a, this is a blueprint, if you like, for how to live your best life. That, that's why I'm telling you this. This is Jesus saying, this is the way you were designed to live. Someone explained to me when I was young once, they said, um, it's like the instructions that a manufacturer gives you when you buy a new car. All right, when, when you buy a new car, you can put whatever you like into the petrol tank of that car. You can put leaded petrol, you can put unleaded petrol, you can put diesel, you can put beer and orange juice into the, uh, into the fuel tank of a car if you want. You can, put, you can change the oil and the coolant whenever you like and replace it with whatever. You can put whatever pressure you like in the tyres of your car. But the manufacturers give you directions and instructions on all of those things because they want the car that you buy from them to run as best as it can. Does that make sense? So don't look at Jesus' teaching like a boss saying, do this or else, do that or else. Look at it like the manufacturer of your life saying, this is the way to get the best out of your life. I mean, you don't open the fuel tank of your car and, you know, on the inside of the cap, there's that little sticker that tells you what, you know, you don't look at that and it doesn't say unleaded petrol. You don't, you don't say, what? Like, only one kind of petrol? Like, where's my freedom? You know, I want the freedom to try all kinds of petrol. You know, you can't tell me what petrol to put in. Oh, I, I want to try putting this. I want to try. No, you look at that sticker and you think, oh, good. Now, now, I, now I know what kind of fuel this tar car takes. Now I know how this car's been designed. Now I know what's best for this car. Now I know what to put in this car to keep it running and to keep it running as best as it can run. That's how Jesus says you should look at his teaching. I mean, that's how his first followers lived. When, when Jesus teaches about love and forgiveness and marriage and generosity and revenge... And so on. These aren't rules that you've got to follow or else something bad's going to happen to you. This is Jesus saying, this is the way for you to live an extraordinary life. This is the way for you to live your best life. And for those around you, the people you love, the people you live with, the people you work with, for them to live their best life too. And I want to suggest to you that these rules, these things that Jesus teaches, continue to be the path, the way for us to live our best, our most extraordinary lives today. And I guess what I'm saying in all this is you don't have to follow Jesus. You know, you don't have to live by his teaching. Uh, I, and I'm not here to say, you know, do this or else, you know, do this, you know, do this or bad things are going to happen to you. You can live your life however you want. A bit like you can drive your car however you want. But I want you to hear Jesus. I want you to hear the baby Jesus all grown up saying to you, building your life on my teaching is like building a house on a rock solid base. When the storms come and the wind come and things get hairy, that house stands. And if you choose to build your life uh, you know, if you choose to build your life on something else, the house might look all right for a while. It might stand for a while. Uh, it, it might look beautiful. 
But at some point when bad things are going to happen, and, you know, I mean, hello, the last two years, right? You know, at, at some point when bad things happen, that house is going to shake and is going to fall because it's not built on a foundation that will stand. And it's not my words. This isn't my opinion. Don't hear this like, hey, Matt's telling me. This is what Jesus says. He finishes his teaching and he says, hey, just before I wrap up, I want to tell you how this stuff rolls. I want to tell you the purpose of this. So as we close this, my simple invitation for you today is to go home from here and to pick up those biographies, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. They're about two-thirds, three-quarters of the way through a printed Bible. If you've got them, uh, you can find them online for free in a whole host of places. But is to join the first church, you know, the OG Christians, right? Uh, To join, this is what these people did. They opened these books, they opened these letters and they read them. And they read them not because they were looking for verses to stick on their bumper or to, you know, put on a coffee cup or a fridge. They read them because these were the words of life. They read them because these had instructions for them on how to live. And so my invitation of you is is read these. Read these as letters. Read these as books. And ask yourself, what's Jesus telling me about how to get the best out of the life that he's given me? How am I designed to best live? How's my life designed to work the best? I mean, and that might sound a little bit obvious, right? That might sound a bit like I've come to church for someone to tell me uh, that Jesus came to teach and I should do what he says. That's a bit like, really? Uh, Do you you know what I'm saying? (laughs) It might sound a little bit like, what, you're telling me to pick up the Bible and read it and do what it says. I kind of knew that was the way. Um, But let's be honest, right? Because this is church and, you know, if you can't be honest here, like, let's be honest. Sadly, there are many people and some of them who, you know, kind of go to church and call themselves Christians, let's be honest, who believe in God. But when you start reading the words of Jesus and you start looking at their lives, you think, why aren't they doing this stuff? Right. And I'm not talking about people who are who are trying because I get like no one's perfect. Right. This isn't, uh, you know, I'm not talking about people who are trying uh, you know, and then they're stumbling or they're, you know, they're messing up from, because that's me, right? You know, like we, we all do that. But I'm talking about people who don't seem to try. And some of you know what I'm talking about. I mean, some of you are listening to this, some of you are watching this online and, and the whole time I've been talking, you've been thinking, this is exactly why I'm not a Christian in the first place. Right? Because every Christian I know doesn't do this stuff. Because the church is full of hypocrites and that's not my, Jesus called people hypocrites. You know, Jesus says, if you don't do this stuff, that's what James is talking about. There's no point talking about this stuff and not doing it. What's the point of that? And, and I want to speak, I'm not here to judge anyone. And I'm, on the other hand, I'm not here to make excuses for anyone. All I'm saying is that, all I'm saying is that the only way this picture changes is if followers of Jesus follow Jesus. Right? The only way this, this view of the church, whether you're in the church or outside of the church, the only way this view changes, the only way the church changes, is if followers of Jesus follow Jesus. And I go a step further and say, the only way the world changes really for the better is if followers of Jesus follow Jesus. I mean, it's not my opinion. Kind of history tells us that. You know, when, when Jesus left, there were, 
There were 120 followers of Jesus in an obscure little corner of the Roman Empire. But as those people followed Jesus, as those followers of Jesus followed Jesus and actually lived this stuff out, the church grew. People's lives got better. People were attracted to that kind of church, to that kind of faith. And those little 120 people eventually overtook the Roman Empire without a weapon and without a war. By following the love and the grace and the generosity and the wonder of the teaching of Jesus. And I believe that could happen again. I believe that lives can get changed when followers of Jesus follow Jesus. When people pick up these letters, these books, start reading these words and decide these are not just nice ideas that I want to think about and, as I said, you know, stick on the fridge and want, see when I want to pass. I'm going to start doing this. When followers of Jesus start following Jesus, lives get changed. Churches, communities of people get changed. And ultimately, the world gets changed. That's what the baby Jesus grew up to be and to teach about.